The following message is part of Cleveland First Baptist Church's Sunday morning Bible study series through the Book of Romans. Good morning. Guys, uh, this morning I'll be teaching session number 11 uh, for our Sunday school class, and I know uh, this morning it's May the 16th, and you will be seeing this in a couple of weeks, so by the time you see this, we've already been back in church together. And I sure am looking forward to uh, us being able to gather back together and be in the Lord's house together and worship together. And I uh, just want each and every one of you to know how much I've missed y'all, how much, uh, how it's been really aggravating not being able to go to church. And I really feel a longing in myself to be in the house of the Lord with my brothers and sisters. Uh, feel pretty, feel pretty good today. Uh, I got a haircut. Uh, finally feel, I don't look like a Q-tip, a spun out Q-tip, so I uh, feel kind of getting, feel like I'm kind of getting back to normal. So guys, we're going to be teaching today out of uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. Uh, this is session number 11 in your Sunday school book, so if you will, let's go ahead and follow along, but before we start, let's go to the Word in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. And Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon us. And Father, thank you, Lord, for being ever-present, Lord, with us during this time that we've gone through in the last few months. Father, we pray, Lord, as we study your word today, Lord, open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to hear what you have in store for us. And Lord, just be with me as I try to teach this lesson. Father, we thank you, we love you, and I'll ask this in your son's holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys, I want to start in lesson, uh, verse number one here in Romans chapter 12. Uh, it says, <clears throat> Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is the true worship. Um, guys, I'm, uh, we know that God is merciful. And we're very happy about God being merciful because we see the mercies of God that, uh, that he has bestowed upon each and every one of us and we accepted his, his son as our savior. Uh, so we understand God is merciful and we're very thankful for that. But it says here, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So guys, what do you think that that means when he says, I want your bodies to be a... Uh, I want your bodies to be a pleasing and a holy sacrifice to God. You know, I guess if uh, if we really really wanted to kind of kind of expound on some stuff, I don't think it has a whole lot to do with exercise. Now, if you want to get in shape, I know an old girl named Felicia, and she has these classes called Death by Felicia, and it'll put some poundage off of you. I promise you. But that's not what God. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Guys, I want to give you some scripture here, just to kind of back that up. First uh, Timothy fourth chapter eight verse. It says, "For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all, having promise of the life that now is, and that which is to come." So we see that that exercise kind of profiteth little when it comes to the spirit of God. So guys, you know, I, I sat there and I kind of wondered about how are our bodies. A uh, holy sacrifice to God. And guys, I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell you something. About a month and a half ago, my stepfather, Hugh Franklin, passed away. Uh, he was 84 years old. He'd been in a nursing home, and they called us in, and we knew that his time was short here in this old world. We went in 
two at a time. We got to say our goodbyes, and and then we basically just had to leave because we couldn't order outside the, the nursing home with with the way things are at this moment. Later that afternoon, uh, I got a call that he had passed away, and my aunt asked me to come back to the nursing home to help them gather up what was in the room and to kind of help with Mama. And so as I walked back into that nursing home room, I looked at Hugh, the vessel that used to be Hugh, laying there on the bed, and guys, it was a blessing. It was really and truly a blessing because he had this look on his face that he had just met the man from Galilee. He had just seen Jesus Christ. And I could tell it. Even I could tell it even when, as, as I knew that he was no longer there, I could see it on the face of that vessel that was left here on the earth. And so when we talk about um, our bodies being pleasing unto God, it's the persona that we put on for Christ. Every day we're supposed to present ourselves in a Christian way, in a Christ-like way. We are to, uh, it's supposed to show in our walk, in our talk, in everything that we do, we're supposed to try to uh, reflect Christ out of what we are. And that includes the way we present ourselves in our body. And I'm not going to, and that's as good as I want to go right there because what we wear is not really that important. What we wear doesn't really, uh, doesn't really make a difference that much, but it is how we're, we're supposed to see a difference in Christians in the way they present themselves. Verse number two. <clears throat> Be not conformed to this age. I'm going to stop right there. Be not conformed to this age. Since this was written a couple of thousand years ago, how many ages have we had? We've had a bunch. I've heard of a lot of different ages. We've had the church age. We've had the dark ages. We've had the middle ages. Uh, we've had a lot of different ages since this was written. So what is it basically saying is that we're not to be conformed to the ways of the world. We're not to be conformed uh, to what's going on in the world. We're to be conformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, so the world offers very little for any of us that are Christians. Now, you know, it's kind of, you know, we, we live in this old world and we have to be a part of it. And we're susceptible. We're susceptible to what's going on in the world, but it's not our job to be a part of the world. And I love, I love what Jesus said. People are going to dislike us in the world uh, because of him. But he says, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And I, I love that this morning. I love the fact that Jesus gave us that. Um, but it says here, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Um, you know, guys, every day, every day, we are to renew our mind. We are to put back on our whole armor. You know, you can read in Romans about the armor of God. And so every day, not just what we put on, uh, bodily-wise, but what we put in our mind. And that's being, that's being transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind in the Lord. You know, if we don't spend some time with the Lord, it's kind of hard for us uh, to, to present ourselves in a Christian way. Because, you know, that, that honor, that, that will fade on us if we don't stay, um, stay with the Lord. So we want to remember uh, that we are to renew our minds in Him. But you know what I love, what I really and truly love about the Lord now, I was talking about a while ago about uh, being conformed to this age. Here's what I love about God. He's the same. He was the same yesterday as he is today as he'll be tomorrow. This old world changes a lot, but there's two things that don't change in this old world. There's always going to be sin, number one, 
but there's always going to be God, and that's the great part about that. God, don't that make you feel good this morning? Okay, verses, and it skips down, it skips down through the lesson to verse 9. And let's go ahead and read verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Well, guys, you know what actually that means is this, is that we're supposed to love everybody, not just who's in our clique, not just who's in our family, not just who, who's in our, you know, in our realm, if you will. We're supposed to love everybody. You know, that's, and that's a, that's a big order sometimes because some people are a little bit tough to love sometimes, aren't they? But the truth of it is we're commanded to be different in the world and to show God's love to everybody. Detest evil is the next little phrase there, detest evil. Uh, you know, I kind of I sat and I, I wondered about, about, that, about those two words right there, detest evil. You know what I remember a few weeks ago, uh, and I'm going to kind of go back to it, a few weeks ago, I had to uh, teach on Romans, the last part of the first chapter. It's a pretty tough lesson, but uh, I want to go back to one verse in Romans, first chapter and 28, and it says this, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a retrobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. Okay. So... We're supposed to detest evil. Guys, you know, uh, when people don't walk away or try to stay away from evil, you know, their, their, their moral compass is messed up. They don't understand the difference between right and wrong, not the way that we do when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A good example of this, in my work truck, I have a compass in my truck, and I have to shoot asthmas with it. And it's just a, it's a number for the direction in which it's going. And so, you know, when I pull that compass out and I'm sitting there looking at that compass, that compass is always going to point north because there's a magnetic pole up in the Arctic and it always points that way up north. And so you can take and turn that where, where N is on the compass and you'll know which way is east and west and so forth. And we, you know, everybody pretty well knows how to use a compass. Well, guys, when, when we're in our own lives, in our own lives, we have to understand one thing. See... Jesus is the magnetic pole that we're, that we're for, and God's word is the compass. So if we want to understand, you know, what evil is and what uh, sin is in our lives, we have to actually have a bearing on, on where our Lord is. We can't, we can't go on our own strength. We have to go in the direction that our Lord takes us, and we have to follow the compass that we have, and that's, that's the Bible. That's God's word, because it's always going to point toward the man from Galilee, toward Jesus Christ. Amen. It says, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdoing one another in showing honor. Uh, so guys, we've been ordered to love one another deeply as brothers and sisters and outdo one another in honor. You know, we can't, uh, we can't just sit there and you know, want to pat ourselves on the back because we did a good job. You know, that's not really our job to do that. It doesn't really show a lot of character when you do that. But when somebody else does a good job, you know, our job is to go up there and pat them on the back and encourage them. We're to be encouragers in this, in this life. And we're to outdo, try to outdo one another in showing, showing them that we're encouraging them. We want them to do well with their walk in faith because it's not our job to be a stumbling block to somebody else. 
Our job in this world is to encourage, not trip up. We run in the same race. Ain't no sense in tripping each other up. So let's love our brothers and sisters and try to show honor in all that we do. <clears throat> Verse 11. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now guys, uh, zeal here is is kind of is kind of being eager. You know, you want to be eager to serve the Lord, right? I mean, I wasn't real eager about getting up in front of this computer again, but but I do want to serve my Lord, and uh, and and so I'll do what the Lord asks me to do. You know, we want to be fervent. Fervent is the word, and it's kind of like boiling. Fervent kind of means boiling or seething. You're ready to do something for the Lord. So we want to serve the Lord with, with a zeal. We want to be willing to do that, and we want to be ready whenever he calls upon us. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Guys, that word hope, uh, the way that we kind of look at the word hope is like this. Uh, I hope my basketball team wins. I hope my football team wins. You know, it's kind of a wish, but that's not what this kind of hope is. The hope that we see in the Bible is more like an ironclad contract. We rejoice in the fact that we rejoice in the fact that when we pass away as Christians, we're going to go on home to our to see our heavenly Father and to our loved ones that's gone on before us. So so we have that hope and that assurance that that's going to happen. When you believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it says, be patient in affliction. You know, I know we got a lot of people in our church family that deal with sickness and we've dealt with death. I know, uh, and, you know, Brother Darren and them just, you know, lost his dad. You know, and that's, that, you know, that would be easily called an affliction. Well, guys, I'll tell you something, too. What we've been going through in this country here lately Pretty well been an affliction, if you ask me. It's not, uh, it's not been something that any of us have enjoyed. But you know something, I can look back from the time this started to where we're at right now, and I can see where God is working in, in behind the scenes on a lot of things. And so we need to be patient while we're going through these times, while things are out of order, and, and we want to get our routine back, and we want to get things normal, but it's our job to be patient. And it says here, be persistent in prayer, be patient and prayerful while we're going through these bad times in life. You know, it's, uh, that's, uh, and sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it is really hard to do to be patient because I don't, uh, you know, even if I could buy patience, I wouldn't want to have it. But, you know, it's something that, that you do end up having to have. And, uh, and uh, my, my wife tells me that a lot. And, boy, I get tired of hearing that. But anyway, but, you know, we, we are to be patient. Okay, let's go on to verse 13. Share with the saints and their need. Pursue hospitality. Share with the saints. Now, guys, when we talk about our saints, I pretty much feel like that scripture means we're talking about our older members, and uh, we love our older members. And, you know, it's uh, one of the greatest gifts that you can give anybody. One of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given is the gift of somebody's time. You know, when we take time to spend with somebody who's lost a loved one, they're older, they can't go and get out as much as they used to, you know, what a great gift is it to go by and visit with somebody and to talk to them, maybe have a little, have a little Bible study with them, but uh, give them a phone call and give them a chance to talk and, you know, let them get caught up on all the things that are going on because, you know, uh, their life's not easy either. It's not easy being alone. So we want to be, we want to be hospitable, hospitable, hospitable. 
uh, to our saints. But like I said, the greatest gift is your time. Uh, let's go on into verse 14. <clears throat> Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Guys, how hard is it? How hard is it to bless somebody that is trying to hurt you, who's persecuting you, making fun of you, or talking about you, or whatnot? It's not, it's not very easy, is it? You know, I think one of the greatest examples that we've ever seen of this was when Jesus was hung on the cross. And as he was hanging there, he said, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, how hard was that? Jesus could have called down legions of angels, and he could have stopped this whole thing uh, at that one point. But uh, he didn't. He asked God to forgive them. You know, and I think that's the greatest example of, when, of somebody being persecuted. And he didn't curse them. He didn't curse them. It said, bless, do not curse. He blessed them because he, he wanted them redeemed. He wanted them to understand eventually who he was and what was going on. And uh, so he wanted, and so we're to take that same example and go with that. And uh, we're to rejoice. You know, today, uh, as, we, as we're doing this today, we walked into the church this morning, and the church is uh, decorated beautifully for uh, Brittany and, uh, and uh, John's, John's wedding. I'm sorry, I forgot it for a minute. Uh, you know, and so today, <clears throat> Barry and Michelle is going to rejoice because their daughter's getting married. A lot of people, that whole family is going to rejoice. So we're to rejoice with them. We're to have a good time with them. Although we may not can be here, uh, but we can rejoice and tell them congratulations and, you know, enjoy that for them. But also when, when we have people die at our church or have loved ones to die, we're also to show the affection of being able to weep with them as well. So it's our job to kind of help people out in, in what they're going through, to lift them up and to console them as well. That's a, that's a very big important part of, um, of what we're supposed to do as Christians, to support one another and to rejoice and weep. Uh, verses 16 through 18. Live in harmony with one another. Uh, do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. That's going to stop right there. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Uh, guys, pride is a very dangerous thing in a Christian's life. There's nothing wrong with being proud about, you know, about, uh, about, your home or how hard you've worked and the things that you've accomplished and, and the knowledge that you've gained, there's nothing wrong with that. But when, you, when your pride makes you have a haughty spirit, when you're looking down your nose at somebody because you think you're better than they are, uh, you're fixing to fall. Pride cometh before the fall, as, as I have read it. And you need to be very careful about letting your pride uh, get too big because we're to stay humble. We're supposed to be a humble people. We're supposed to be a loving people. Now, that doesn't mean we've got to be a doormat. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. But in our, in our presence, we're supposed, in other people's presence, we're supposed to be humble to them and be servants for them because that's what Christ came, was a suffering servant. Um, <clears throat> so it says right here, do not, do not be wise in your own estimate. I'm going to go ahead and go back and read that whole scripture now. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You know, guys, uh, uh, in, in a few days, I'm going to turn 52 years old. And through that 52 years, 
I've gained some wisdom. Okay? There are certain things that I have learned just from, from parenting, from working, uh, going to church, uh, dealing with other people. There's some wisdom that comes along with getting older. But the type of wisdom that he is talking about here is not the wisdom that I have gained from my worldly relationships. The wisdom is the experiences that I've had with God. Has my wisdom, since I accepted God as my Savior, has my wisdom increased? And yes, it has. I understand a lot more things about God. I've still got a lot more things to go, a long way to go. I'm still on the potter's wheel. God's still working on me. I understand that. There's things that he's working on me about. But we don't need to think that our wisdom overrides what somebody else is. Your wisdom doesn't really count. It's God's wisdom. And it says in the Bible, I will give you wisdom liberally if you will ask for it. So if you want to know about God and be wise about God, ask him. Because he says that in the Bible. That's, that's in Scripture. Let's go ahead, verse 17. Do not repay evil for evil. Well, that knocked an uh, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth right out the park, didn't it? You know, uh, I tell you what, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'm going to get even. I'm going to get even with that old boy. I'm going to get even. I've heard that a bunch. I remember I was in a football game one night, and the other team kicked off the ball, and, and a buddy of mine was out there, and this, this guy, I'll never forget him, is number 15. He just, he just blindsided him, knocked him, just basically knocked him out. We got him to the sideline. And he got his squirrels back in his cage. And he said, I'm going to get even with that old boy here in just a minute. He went back out on the field. Next thing we knew, there he was laid back out again. At 15, he got a hold of him again. We couldn't help but laugh because the old boy had his number. But that getting even don't work. Um, it does more damage to you than it does to the person you're trying to get even with. So don't pay back evil for evil. Okay, that, that doesn't work. <clears throat> Turn it over to the Lord and let him those battles for you if you can. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Uh, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Guys, one of the biggest things that we have to understand in the lives that we live and what we're doing today as Christians is we cannot be a stumbling block for somebody else. We have to be careful, and it says that right here, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So guys, you know, uh, <clears throat> Paul in this lesson is basically telling us, you know, the different things that we need to do, the different attributes that we need to do in order to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. You know, I think a lot of times today that people think when they're talking about church, they think that when you walk into church, you get a rule book that, uh, that uh, you know, you, you can't do this, can't do that, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, that, man. That's not what this is about. You know, when my, when my kids were playing uh, softball and baseball, I coached softball, and the first thing they done was they give me a give me a rule book, and it's about that thick. And so I had to sit for two days and read up on all the rules that went along with that game, or I was going to get our I was going to get our team penalized, or you know, get the players thrown out or something. You know, so you got to understand the rules of the game. But what we're talking about here, Christianity is not a game. Christianity is a sacrifice. So guys, when you walk into church, we're not asking for you, we're not giving you a big book of rules. But what Paul is showing us, hey, these are the sacrifices you have to make in order to be a child of God. There are sacrifices uh, that, we have to, that we have to go through in order to be 
children of God. And our biggest thing is, guys, is in the way that we live, the way that we walk, and the way that we talk, let's not be a stumbling block for somebody. Thank you.